When I thought about coming over here and being with you, and I thought about the location of this uh, conference this week, I knew that I wanted to talk about some of the principles of the covered wagon families. That this is where the covered wagon families came. And some of you that uh, have lived in this part of uh, Oregon all your life probably have family roots that go way, way back. Uh, This is the promised land we're setting in it that so many uh, hardy pioneer families started out to reach. They started out, of course, in in a covered wagon. You know, those uh, covered wagons that are not more than about four foot wide and 10 or 12 foot uh, long. Uh, Those covered wagons that uh, had those big spoke wheels, uh, 14 uh, spokes in the back and uh, 12 spokes in the front wheels. Those covered wagons that uh, had no springs and just seemed to uh, bounce along with every little uh, boulder that you uh, rolled over. They were canvas covered. Usually, of course, it was always white canvas that was on top. Uh, the box of the uh, wagon was normally plain, painted blue. The spokes of the wheel usually red. You had the white on the top and the red spokes in the blue box. You got to see a, uh, that covered wagon coming across the prairie. It was uh, it must have been an exciting thing to push out of Missouri and to start across to that promised land. Those families were hardy. They, it took a certain type of family to be able to make it, I think. And I think there are some characteristics of those covered wagon families that would do well for our families and maybe do well for our camps and conference centers and our uh, staffs as well. I want us to kind of delve into some of those characteristics. I want What I'm going to look at, as far as time will uh, tell, I'm going to give us some of those qualities of a successful covered wagon family. And I want to end up with just a few little what I call rules to be a covered wagon family or a covered wagon staff. I'm impressed by those who would venture out. I don't know if we have any comparison in our day and age. Some people think uh, moving to Idaho is about as primitive as you can get nowadays. And it might be, but it doesn't compare with what these families did. So let me uh, share with you what I think are some of those uh, qualities that I see as I study history. I get to spend a lot of my time studying the history of the Old West, especially the West from uh, the time of, time of the mountain men to the time or turn of the century. And as I study some of those families and read about the journals and see what they have gone through, here are some of the qualities that I've discovered that I think are still applicable for you and me. The first quality that I see in so many of those families is they trusted in divine providence for survival. Maybe one of the scriptures that would remind us of that is a place like uh, Genesis 22:14, when it talks about Jehovah Jireh, that is the Lord will provide. Literally, it means the Lord will see to it. Divine providence means that the Lord knows what's going on, that the Lord has it under control, that the Lord is in charge. I like to travel in the West, and I have probably been down almost every dirt road in uh, most of the 11 Western states and uh, a few other states as well. But one of the things when I travel across the country I'm amazed at is how big the West really is. We spent spent uh, last summer traveling along the East Coast because we promised our uh, 16-year-old that before he graduated from high school, we'd take him to all 50 states. 
And so we've now gone to 48 states. And uh, we went along the East Coast last year. And Janet says, you know, in some of those states, we were only in them about six minutes. And I said, yes, but it was five minutes too much. The West is big. And one of the things that always impressed me about those early pioneers is they got in that wagon and they started out at their uh, at their speeding along pace of maybe three miles an hour or two miles an hour, whatever they were going. And then they started across and they traveled for days and they traveled for weeks. And finally, finally, if everything was going right, they began to see in the distance those Rocky Mountains. And for days and days and days, those mountains got closer and closer and closer and closer. And pretty soon they had to cross those mountains. And uh, most of them headed up towards, uh, uh, through Wyoming and through South Pass to cross the rocky lowest point they could find. And they came up to that South Pass and they were on the Continental Divide. And as they started out of that South Pass, that meant everything sloped to the Pacific. What few of them realized was they had barely made it halfway. And they had halfway still to go. We've had uh, our Christian Booksellers Association conference in Denver, Colorado the last two years, the CBA meeting, and one of my publishers is in Wheaton, Illinois, Crossway Books, and the people from Wheaton know that I live in the Rocky Mountain part up in Idaho, and uh, they come to Denver, and so they ask me, Steve, how far are you away from Denver? And I say, I'm further away from Denver than you are in Wheaton, Illinois. There's more miles to Winchester than it is to, to Chicago. Um, that's how big the West is. When you start out on that kind of journey, you learn to trust in divine providence. God will provide. I don't think there was ever any family that started out that had everything thought of ahead of time. You had to start out and say, God will provide. That's the only way we're going to get there. You're not going to think of everything. You're not going to be able to bring everything. You're not going to have a contingency for every plan. God will provide, and he did. You and I and our uh, conference centers and our staffs and our families need to live by that principle. God will provide. Here's the second quality that I see. I believe they obeyed a higher standard. Most of those families, those pioneer families, obeyed a higher standard. In Psalm 103, 17 and 18, it says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness to their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. I don't know how isolated you have been. I told you I drove down this road about 90 miles down a, about 90 miles down a dirt road to be at a remote part of the Grand Canyon. I remember also one time getting in a jet boat with a friend and going up uh, the Snake River up Hills Canyon, 110 miles from Lewiston, Idaho. And as we got 110 miles up that jagged uh, Hills Canyon remote spot, and we were on shore walking around, I got to thinking how far away it is from a doctor or a hospital or uh, a sheriff. And I began to get just a little tiny glimpse of what it must be like to be a pioneer family moving across uh, the wilderness, and all those civilizing features and comforts are gone. They are not there including that civilizing code of uh, conduct, the laws and the, that are enforced by the sheriff and the marshal and the, and the policeman of the day, you're gone. You're away from all of that. 
I think those uh, families that were successful, those covered wagon families, obeyed a higher standard than just the laws of the land. I think the laws of the land are the minimum standard. The higher standard here is here in God's Word. There wasn't any talk that I have ever read in those uh, journals about something, whether it was constitutional or not. It was whether it was biblical, whether it was right in the sight of God or not. You and I need to have families. We need to have uh, ministries that obey a higher standard. A third quality that I found in those pioneer families that were successful is they offered up consistent prayer. I think their prayers might have been a lot like you find in Ezra chapter 8, verse 2. If you read that account, you remember how uh, Ezra was uh, uh, taking uh, the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. And he had got permission to leave that land of exile and to return back. And he said, you know, our God is calling us and wants us to go back and to rebuild our city. And he got permission. And now they're all packed up and they have that caravan. It would have been the wagon train of that day, but it's a caravan ready to return. And they pass over that last man-made canal, and they look at the desert and the wilderness. And at that time, Ezra said, I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. He said, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers or his horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because I had told him, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. Ezra's reminding, uh, telling us that uh, when it really came to crossing over and getting out into that wilderness, there needed to be a lot of prayer because he kept telling everybody God would take care of them. And now it was time to trust. So there was prayer. Family prayers along the way were a pattern established by pioneer families, a pattern that lasted well beyond the trip. It lasted throughout their life. It was a time of praying to the Lord earnestly. A fourth quality of those uh, covered wagon families is I think they developed ingenuity. I think about some of those passages in Scripture like uh, Philippians 4.13 where it says we can do everything through Him who gives us strength. There was a lot of ingenuity that needed to be developed. Some of those families did things um, and made do with things they never thought they could make do with. There was many, for instance, a woman who started out that journey saying, I will never, never cook dinner over buffalo dung. But they did. And they found out it worked. There was a lot of ingenuity as you came across. There were guidebooks. I don't know if you know this, but there were guidebooks written about how to get west. One was written by a man by the name of Hastings. The Hastings Cutoff is famous. It's famous for being a false book and a horrible cutoff. Written by a man who was looking for a prophet and had no idea what he was talking about. When they set out on those kind of journeys, they suddenly realized they had to learn a lot of new skills. They had to do a lot of things different. The people who made it to uh, this part of Oregon were uh, highly more creative than when they left home. I think a pioneer ministry, a pioneer uh, family today, 
is creative and is uh, developing constantly ingenuity for the new tasks that come along. A fifth quality that I see in those families is that they were committed to hard work. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life might win respect of an outsider. Moving across the, uh, the country was hard work. There were axles to grease, and there was a gathering of firewood, and there was tending of the livestock, and there was that constant repair on, on the wagons and the supplies, and there was a constant need for, for more game for food. It was constant. Every day, everybody had to work. I don't know about you and in your family. Some of your families probably came across. Do you ever read in their journals where they arrived in Oregon fat? No, they didn't. They worked themselves to the bone almost to get here, but they made it. It was hard work. And if they hadn't, didn't have hard work principles when they started, they had them when they finished and they kept them and established them as part of their family value. They were committed to hard work. A sixth quality that I see is they demonstrated loyalty to each other. Loyalty. They were all in it together. You know, in Romans 12, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. There was a strength. There was a commitment to each other as they came across. It built up in its best form. It built up and strengthened as they came across. It was a task that only the foolish would try by themselves. And they learned they needed to be committed to each other. A seventh quality that I saw in those uh, pioneer families is they practiced hospitality. Uh, They not only uh, took care of their own family, but they took care of anyone else who rode into camp as well. In one of my books, uh, there are some photographs of pioneer family as they came across One of the things I love about writing about the history of the U.S., say from about the Civil War times on, is that there was outdoor photography. And uh, so there are a lot of photographs of the Old West, and I can see what it really looked like. This one particular photograph shows the covered wagon, and it shows the wife, and uh, she has a fold-down table off the side of the covered wagon, and she has a white linen tablecloth on it, and has her silverware placed and all of her dishes somewhere out in western Nebraska coming across. I'm thinking, where did this lady get a white linen tablecloth? And here she is, practicing hospitality. They had that, uh, that idea that you fed your own and you fed anyone else that came around. It is a part of being a pioneer family. Another thing that I noticed in those families is that they showed a willingness to take risks. I think about in our spiritual realm, Hebrews 12, 2, that says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne. They took risk because of the prize that was waiting them. Jesus kept his eyes focused what was up ahead. Those pioneer families kept their eyes focused on that homestead they were going to have right in this valley here. 
It was worth all of that effort if they kept thinking about where they were headed. They took a willingness to take those risks because of the prize. Now, folks, if you live in this area, I want to tell you, this is nice country. But it isn't the only nice country. And I sometimes think that, you know, they push themselves that far for this. But you and I are pushing ourselves for an even greater prize. Willing to take some risk because the prize is so valuable. Here's a nice thing that I saw as I read the journals about the pioneer families. Is that uh, they were able to cultivate the ability to have fun. I don't know if your picture is just a gruesome, arduous task every day being a horrible time, but there were days that were fun, days that they enjoyed. I have one photograph of a wagon train, and it happens to be on the 4th of July, which was a great time to have a celebration. And so they weren't traveling that day, and some outdoor photographer was there, and he took a picture of the girls of the wagon train who were racing. They had a foot race. And it's such a neat picture because here are these girls. The dresses went down literally to the dirt, long sleeves, high collars, uh, high lace-up shoes. And these girls, about 12 and 13 and 14, are racing each other. And the smiles are from ear to ear. They're having a wonderful time. Somehow, in the midst of all that hard work, in the midst of taking risk, in the midst of... Uh, uh, all of the struggles, they're able to enjoy the day, to enjoy the journey. The tenth quality is that they were willing to sacrifice to make it there. Not only taking risks, but sacrifice, that is, giving things up. In Hebrews 12, verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. They were able to push themselves on and to give things up. They gave things up when they headed out. They gave things up along the way. You know, it's legendary, all of those things that got dumped out of the covered wagon. Those things that when you left home, you said, we are taking this with us, and I'm going to keep it forever. And somehow, someplace out in the middle of the white sands of Utah, it got dumped out. Now, those are some of the qualities, and I have hustled through those, but those are some of the qualities that I see in covered wagon families. I want to conclude with what I call some rules for covered wagon family. These are some handles that we might be able to hang on to and remember for our families, for our ministries. Here's some rules. And if I had a covered wagon, I'd really like to have someone donate to me a covered wagon. If you just, you know, happen to have one at your camp and you want to get rid of it, I'd, I'd love to have one at Broken Arrow Crossing. But if I had a covered wagon... I'd tack these rules on it. I'd put them in my horse barn. I'd say, I want to remember what that, those principles of covered wagon family. Here's the first rule. Don't head out without a guide. They would have been foolish to head out without somebody who had a vision of the promised land. Now, you and I do not have a physical person who has been to glory and can come back and lead us there, but we have a guide who's been there. Jesus said he wasn't going to leave us without a guide. And when he went away, the guide would come. And we don't want to make one turn in our life, not one turn in our ministry. We don't want to go up one mountain pass without the guide leading us. Every family that broke away from the guide ended up having trouble. Because you can't make it 
without someone who has seen the promised land. Here's the second rule. Every night, reset your wagon tongue. The most uh, reliable geographical feature coming west, you know what that was? The most reliable geographical feature was the North Star. It was always right where it should be. There were times coming across the prairie when you could not see anything but grass. That was it. You couldn't even hardly tell north from south, east from west. But every night you could tell where north was because the North Star is always right there. I got a kick out of reading a newspaper a few weeks ago that said the North Star is a more reliable guide than the magnetic north. The pioneers seemed to uh, understand that the North Star was a reliable guide. If you're hide- heading west tomorrow morning and the North Star is there, all you got to do is set your wagon tongue perpendicular. If that's north, that's west. And every night that it was clear, they would reset the wagon tongue because when they got up in the morning, they couldn't see that north star. They couldn't see where they were headed, but they followed the tongue. I think that's the rule for us. Every night or every morning, we got to reset that wagon tongue. The north star in our life is Jesus Christ. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have to, on a daily basis, realign our life and say, hey, am I getting off track? i got to line up according to where he is. Here's a third rule. Don't dawdle in any one place too long. Some of our families have been dawdling too long in one spiritual place, one emotional place, one relationship place. I got a feeling some of your ministries have been dawdling too long in one place. And I don't mean geographical place that you need to move to a different ministry. I just mean that you've been hanging around that same spot for too long. Coming west was a timed event. You didn't have to be faster than other people, but you had a deadline and you better not take too long. Here's a fourth rule. Lighten the load. Lighten the load. Our lives are too complicated. We carry too much baggage. We need to simplify. We're going to reach the goals that God has for us. Every new thing that you want to try in your ministry, keep asking yourself, how does this help simplify me reaching my goals? Try those new things that help simplify, that help you reach the goals, but don't add excess baggage. Can you imagine what it would have been like if you start out with a covered wagon from, from Missouri and you and it's a full wagon, and it's crammed with all your belongings, and every couple of miles you added something else instead of taking something out. Just like you should clean your garage every once in a while, and, you know, any box that hasn't been opened up in the last year can be thrown away. Well, maybe it's a little longer than that. So in our spiritual life, there's a lot of boxes. In our ministry, there are a lot of boxes that we can toss out and lighten the load. Here's the fifth principle. Remember... We ain't there yet. Don't get satisfied with where we are. You know, I don't know how your life and your ministry is going. Mine is going well. I like it. But I'm not there yet. I haven't completed the journey. We can get pretty satisfied. You know, I guess, you know, if you push on and you've been going a long time coming across the prairie and uh, you finally get to uh, Burns, Oregon... You might just say, let's just settle here. But you might want to push on because you ain't quite there yet. 
You and I need to remember we aren't there yet. Here's a, here's a sixth rule. I think we need to gather around the campfire often and talk about where we're headed and where we've been. I think that's one of the joys of why I like to sing songs about heaven. I like to sing songs about the Lord's return. I don't want them to distract from God wants what, what God wants me to do today, but I like to be reminded where we're headed. And notice that pioneer journey across, I am sure that often around the campfire at night, the children ask their father, Daddy, what is it going to be like when we get there? Tell me again what Oregon is like. And I'm sure he told them over and over and over and over and over again. You and I need to spend time often around the campfire remembering where we're headed, what it's like, how glorious it will be. And then the, the, the last rule, the old uh, saying that was true with so many pioneer families, even if I don't make it, you go on without me. and Don't turn back. Don't go back. Covered wagon families, those that were successful, seemed to have some qualities that uh, stood out. Those that were successful are our heritage out here in the West. They were the ones that established the rules for all of us to live in, and I'm grateful that they have. Maybe we need some more covered wagon families and ministries. Amen.